Sir, I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. I can't fail this class. Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. Every year at Barton Academy, students, faculty, and staff depart the campus for a two-week winter break. But there are always an unfortunate few who have nowhere to go for the holidays. They're known as the holdovers. Mr. Hunnam. Hello, Mary. I heard you got stuck with babysitting duty this year. How'd you manage that? You know, he used to be a student, right? Yeah, that's why he knows how to inflict maximum pain on them. Oh. I thought all the Nazis were hiding in Argentina. Stifle it, Tully. You just earned yourself a detention, sir. Being here with you is already one big detention. Son of a bitch, that's another detention! Do you think I want to be babysitting you? No, I was praying your mother would pick up the phone or your father would arrive in a helicopter or a flying saucer My father's to take you dead. You don't tell a boy that's been left behind at Christmas that nobody wants him? What's wrong with you? There's nobody here, okay? You stay out of my way, and I'll stay out of yours. Let me sleep in the Now, most of the kids dislike you, pretty much hate you. Teachers, too. You know that, right? I find the world a bitter and complicated place, and it seems to feel the same way about me. I think you and I have this in common. I don't think I've ever had a real family Christmas like this before. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. History is not simply the study of the past, it is an explanation of the present. See, when you say it that way and throw in some pornography, it's a lot easier to understand. I'd like to propose a toast to my two unlikely companions. Are you trying to lift down my shirt? No. <laughs> yes. You're gonna get me fired. This is your Rubicon. Do not cross the Rubicon. The Holdovers. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Movie Uppers. I am Bob Sham. I am Angela. The sounds you hear may be dogs. Definitely. Our big dog is now pretty much recovered from his surgery, so he's walking around. He's walking around. He is a big dog, and he is very uh, strong and a little uh, goofy. And he's he an doesn't oaf. know his own strength. And I don't know if you can tell because um, it's healing, but. Oh, yeah. I was putting his leash on the other day. It looked much worse the other day. It did. And I was standing behind him, which I will never do again, to, like, clip his leash. And he all of a sudden, like, bucked straight up into my mouth. And I looked like... You can hear him right now. Yeah, you can hear him right now. He's just He's playing dead. with something. So your lip had a big bruise on it, like right on one side. Yeah. And you, so for Thanksgiving, that's what you look like. I slapped you in the mouth. <laughs> and we went to see the movie we're discussing today. Then uh, a couple I days later, that too. <laughs> and I was like, oh boy, maybe we should wait to go out in the public. No one said 
said a word to me about it, which I guess is good and fine, and you shouldn't, but I also... It's healing pretty quickly, though. I felt like I needed to explain to everyone, but then that also seems like um, like over-explaining to just walk up to people and say, my dog hit me in the face. <laughs> it wasn't my <laughs> husband. Although my family ribbed you pretty good. So Which was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I mean, I just went along with it. <laughs> well, they know that it wasn't you, so... <laughs> Some pretty inappropriate jokes. <laughs> so, this Christmas season, we're going to be going to the movies a lot this month. And I'm not sure. We may, at least four times this month, we're going yeah. to the movies. It might be more because there's so much I want to see in the theaters... The Christmas season is looking way better than last summer. Yeah. There's really only two movies I cared about last summer. That I, whole summer preview we did, if you go back and look, the podcast version uh, is terrible because it's a very visual episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we only saw like two or three of the movies that we discussed. The quote unquote summer movie fair it's just not our thing. It, it's just become more of a Marvel thing, I think. Yeah, it's all Marvel and superhero and exciting and big, and we're just we're just kind of over all but that. It, but it seems like by the end of the year, they're trying to push the more um, what they would consider more Oscar worthy, the more prestige indie ish style. Not saying they're pure indie; that depends on the studio. But you know mm-hmm. what I mean the the stuff that isn't centered around. Big uh, costumed fistfights as much. Yeah. A little more uh, heartfelt story Grounded. potential. Or Grounded. has like yeah. some deeply dramatic dark message behind it or yes. anything like that. We went to our, what I consider our home theater of the Bell Court. We watched Alexander Payne's new movie, The Holdovers. Yes. Alexander Payne, you know, you know him. He directed uh, Citizen Ruth, Election. About Schmidt, the Descendants, Sideways, you know, those movies. Election's probably like one of the great comedies of the 90s. Of those movies, I've only seen Election and Sideways. And he did that movie Downsizing, which we didn't see, where Matt Damon is tiny. Yeah. Never saw that. I never saw The Descendants either. Yeah. That, though people talked about it a lot when it came that out. That got ragged because Emma Stone was supposed to play someone who was at least half. Native Hawaiian. Right. I understand that criticism, but yeah. it does seem like that from some people, you know, that I care about hearing their opinions on movies, that that it wasn't a bad movie. Yeah. But we haven't seen it, so we yeah. don't know. But we have seen Election. I've seen Citizen Ruth. Um, no, I haven't and seen that. It's been a long time. Citizen Ruth has uh, a Laura Dern as a complete, like, uh, for lack of a better term, white trash derelict who's taken in by all these organizations to like christian groups and like and like super like anti-abortion groups and they're all kind of using her to prop up their like images and organizations oh interesting and bruce willis plays or not bruce willis um i'm forgetting his name he was Smokey and the bandit oh burt uh, reynolds burt reynolds he plays a uh this guy who this evangelical dude who is obviously gay and he has like a boy that slathers him up in oil. <laughs> but it's a pretty funny movie. I love those people and I would love to see yeah. it. Yeah. Apparently <laughs> apparently um Burt Reynolds, who's passed away now, uh regretted accepting that role in Boogie Nights, even though they might be like some of his best More famous. late career yeah. roles. 
I mean, you know, shit like Smokey and the Bandit or The Longest Yard would probably be, you know, his biggest ones. But yeah. But for late era movies, it seemed like Burt was like crushing it. And then he uh, regretted a couple of those, I guess. I mean, those are like the quote unquote cooler movies that he did. Exactly. It was, they were cooler. Yeah. Apparently, I heard Mark Wahlberg claim to have some regrets over playing Dirk Diggler. But like, bro, you wouldn't be here if you weren't. Not at all. Dirk Diggler. He'd still be singing Good Vibrations. You wrote on the clout of a good movie so you can make your shitty ass movies now. Mm-hmm. So, whatever, Marky Mark. Dude just seems to get more full of shit the older he gets. Yeah, he'd just be him and the Funky Bunch. Like, I, mean, out. I mean, his last good movie was The Departed. Departed. He, ha- he has not been in a good movie since that movie. That's just the facts. But we're talking about Alexander Payne. And Alexander Payne, I was just going to say, he did a little intro for our theater specific because we were one of the five theaters who, for the first weekend, got the 35 millimeter film. This movie is set in 1970. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we got, there are five theaters around the world at any, or around the country at any given time that are showing a 35 millimeter version of this. We also got this very brief, like, Taped introduction uh, by Alexander Payne. It seemed very off the cuff, but there was kind of endearing in that way. Like, he just kind of was like, hello. Well, we've seen a few of these. Like, yeah. they do this for these more independent theaters where these types of movies play. Yeah, yeah. Where we've seen it a few times now where the directors uh, have a little pre video package at the beginning basically being like, thank you for going to the theater. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. That's like what every one of them is. I like. Know. Thank you for going to the movies. Jesus, please um, do it more often. I saw a real fun one there. And I know this is a little sidebar, but I think it's worth it. Uh, I went to see Grease 2 there. Yeah. And they actually got Maxwell Caulfield. And he was like sitting by a window in his house. And the lighting was so bizarre. But he was talking about how great it is that people are still screening this movie. And how it's like such a cult classic. And like basically thanking his fans for like him still being relevant because he doesn't do anything well, he now. Should. He should <laughs> No, I know. But it was very sweet. He was just like, hey, I thank you so much for like <laughs> still watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> for, yeah, y'all loved uh, crap. You love to bring crap out. Listen. So. <laughs> Grease 2 is fun. Anyway. I'm not going to say We're not talking movie. about Grease 2. We're talking about The Holdover starring... Paul Giamatti, Dominic Sessa, Davine Joy Randolph. Actually, Davine Joy, Divine jo- Joy Randolph has second billing and Dominic Sessa. But on our ticker, uh, her name is longer, so I had to put her on the third line. <laughs> but yeah, it's basically ta- Paul Giamatti, Divine Joy Randolph, and Dominic Sessa, uh, written by David Hemmingson, directed by Alexander Payne. There's already a porn parody of this. They come out so quick called the glory hole dovers <laughs> i haven't seen it yet it's brand new just like this movie this movie only came out at the end of october i'm not sure if that can be heard <laughs> he is torturing a squeak toy <laughs> do i need to go take it away he's never made this much squeaky i'm sound. not sure how much that picks up okay i'm really not sure we'll just keep going <laughs> But yeah, the glory holdovers. Um, we'll have to go to the theater next door to the Bell Court in the alleyway mm. to watch that one. I hope y'all can hear it a little bit because then otherwise. 
some boys up in private school. Yes. In New England, New England somewhere. New England. They've got a professor there. This is a private like grade school, like uh like a high school. It seems to be like middle through t- like like maybe like a 7 through 12 because yeah. there's some younger kids. It kind of automatically is like, oh, boys having some kind of relationship with a professor. Um, oh, this is like a Goodwill hunting. My brain always good, goes to Goodwill hunting. Yeah. But this isn't as, there is a threat of military school for a student, but. It's not like, we're not in like, uh, what was that Robin Williams? Oh, Captain, my captain. That's Goodwill. No, not no, Goodwill hunting. No, it's not. Hunting. I said the wrong movie. It's Dead Poet Society. Dead Poet Society. <laughs> I think I was saying Goodwill hunting the other day bringing this up. You did. No, Dead Poet Society is what I meant. Yeah. And there is the threat of a student going to military school has a similarity. And they're private school rich kids. Yeah. Uh, but the difference is, like, if it's Dead Poet Society, if no one liked the teacher, and pretty much everyone but maybe one character was a consistent asshole. Yeah. And it's, you know, the idea that there's just going to always be a group of boys who cannot go home for the Christmas holiday. One boy can't get back to... His country, you know, he it's too far to travel. Another boy's parents are on a mission. Another boy's dad is mad at him because he won't cut his hair. Um, it's a little silly, some of the reasons. Well, it's we're not going to get into the the bit by bit by the journey no, of course here, not. but it does kind of uh whittle down into like a core yeah. group, which was I actually thought that was a great idea. I do too, because it kind of presents like it's going to be like. Some class like a, uh, I keep almost saying Goodwill Hunting. Dead Poet Society. Like a Dead Poet Society where they'll grow to be like inspired mm-hmm. and maybe inspire each other. But no, like at, at one point, all the kids are gone except one. Yeah. And it's between Paul Giamatti's very cranked, very, the movie's about solitude. It's about loneliness. You got. He's cranky, not like on crank. So, so, so the, their holdover. <laughs> Over the holidays, because like most schools, it empties out. Yeah. But there's always going to be some kids lingering. Yeah. And when it's all said and done, you got um, Dominic Sess's character, Angus, who is a very depressed kid who's been through some shit in his immediate family, and he's very isolated. He's been kicked out of schools, but he's incredibly smart. Yeah. Paul Giamatti plays, I actually can't remember his name, but they call him Professor Walleye because he has a lazy eye. And he's an incredibly hard-ass professor who doesn't actually play up the politics because when we meet, when we initially meet him, he's talking to the dean, the headmaster, and the headmaster's explaining that this kid is the son of a senator and that you need to pass this kid. Well, he failed him already. He failed him and you need to... You know, just give him a, a, a C minus or something, something to get him right over the hump. But, uh, Professor Walleye refuses to do so. And when we see him passing down the grades for the semester in semester Everyone's exam. Everyone's failing. Everyone is failing. There's maybe like two C's and, but the, but the Angus character got a B, which is the yeah. highest in the yeah. class. Yeah. So he's obviously the smartest. I can tell by your faces that many of you are shocked at the outcome. I, on the other hand, am not, because I have had the misfortune of teaching you this semester, and even with my ocular limitations, I witness firsthand your glazed, uncomprehending expressions. Sir, I don't understand. That's glaringly apparent. No, it's... uh, I can't fail this class. 
Oh, don't sell yourself short, Mr. Coates. I truly believe that you can. And the kid that he didn't pass, obviously, is a different kid. But the dean is mad at him because of that. So he's sort of being punished by having to stay. But he wasn't going to go anywhere anyway because he never really leaves campus. He lives there all the time. Yeah. But now he's being punished by having to babysit these boys. And and, and our other main character is Mary Mary Lamb. She's the school cook. She works in the back. And she went through an extreme tragedy in that her son, who went to the school and did well there, um, he could not get scholarships to go to. Well, they couldn't afford. He got the, scholarships. He, they couldn't afford to send him to the Ivy League universities. Yeah. So he joins the military. He gets. Well, they. I think they drafted him. There's student deferment programs, mm-hmm. but he decided to go up and so he could serve and and go back to school on a GI Bill. Yeah. And he couldn't do the student deferment because he couldn't pay for college. Her son is, of course, going to Vietnam. It's 1970, and he dies. And we're entered, and we see, we only see him in a picture presented as mm-hmm. they're mourning his loss right before they all exit for the semester. Mm-hmm. So that's you know three degrees of solitude. The Paul Giamatti professor character, he's really a hard ass. He's super academic, but I kind of like how he doesn't give any credence to the uh, nepotism involved. That's great, yeah. He demands that, like, you know, he's pushing back on their privilege almost too much in the sense that he doesn't understand that these kids could still have particular problems, but he also is there to remind these kids when they complain about certain things of the realities of life outside of their little bubble. Yeah, and and obviously you really get to know these characters through the course of this movie and you begin to understand exactly why he is the way that he is mm-hmm. and why he feels that way about it. But he is like the one teacher who no one likes him, but it's because he's being honest and maybe a little insulting, but he's being honest and he's not he's not going to give you if you don't work, he's not going to reward you. And he's and you know these flaws of all these characters. I don't want to say it's not it's not a movie where it's like and we all learned a valuable lesson. It's mm. just I just uh, we just as we discussed this, I said to you this is a na- this, the sweetness of the movie is purely natural. Yes, it is not forced. It is not melodramatic. It is not everything feels these three characters kind of become a makeshift family. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean they all get along or they're all mad at each other. Or that it's all great all the time. There's even a part where the Paul Giamatti character does defend the boy, but he's careful not to oversell his intelligence. So he's like, you know, he's a very intelligent boy. I don't know about brilliant. Like, there's always something that's making sure to, like, be like, no, you're, you're, you're a cunt still. Yeah. But it is, but there is a real charm to the movie and that, that relationship, the natural way um, like, there's a respect, but there's not just this, like, overwrought, like, adoration by the end of Mm-mm. it. And and it's really well-crafted and well done. What makes it feel so real is it's, like you said, three people who are isolated in their own ways who have built up walls. And somehow over this two weeks, they let each other in a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that they completely change who they are. They're still living their lives, but but they make a connection that feels really genuine. I think what we said was right after is it's not saccharine. It doesn't no. feel fake. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is a holiday movie. It's over the holidays. And sure, it's coming out. You could call it a Christmas movie, I guess. It is, there is sure. It is, but it's not like... 
a Hallmark Christmas movie. No, not it's at like all. a real Christmas movie. And but also, and even within that, it's easy to also think, you know, this is like a private school and these are rich kids. This is not a story about that. No, they, not really. They show the different levels of who can end up in a place like that, whether or not they actually have money. Yeah. You know, I mean, Mary is the cook. She's Mar- the head of the, she's the head of head cook, but she's the cook at this school and she went there so her son could go to school there. That's right. why she took that job. And obviously, you know, Paul Giamatti is a teacher. He's not, you know, making a ton of money and sending a kid there. Like he's teaching. And then you've got this kid who arguably, on his own has nothing, yeah. you know. So it's just interesting. It's it's easy to to kind of look at it and, and yeah, think it's going to be like another Dead Poet Society and overwrought or like super heavy handed. And I love Dead Poet Society for different reasons, but and when I got mixed feelings on the movie, but because it's too heavy handed sometimes. But yes. it's been a long time. Well, and, and since yeah, I've seen, I it. have fond memories of it. I love you know I I I love or hate. I I'm very black or white, but I, it's I, I have fond memories of. Dead Poets Society. Sure. But I wouldn't say it's realistic. No, no. <laughs> this is. Uh, but yeah, yeah. And you kind of understand maybe the depressive natures of characters a little better. Mm-hmm. But like I said, this movie is about solitude. Yeah. And these characters that, you know, even when they're together, they still might feel very alone. But they're, they kind of have to be together in spite of it. I was right. This is why I hate parties. That was a disaster. Total disaster. Speak for yourself. I was having fun. Let's take Mary home, make sure she's okay, and we'll come back. Out of the question. Come on, would you give me a break? God, I was hitting it off with Elise. No, oh, Denise, are you kidding me? This poor woman is bereft, and all you can think about is some silly girl. I don't need you feeling sorry for me. See? I'm just saying, this was the first good thing that came with being in this prison with you. Need I remind you that it is not my fault that you are stuck here? Do you think I want to be babysitting you? And it is a sweet movie in spite of itself. Yeah. And when we watched it on 35mm, I felt so lucky because I didn't aim for the 35mm. It just so happened to be playing on the weekend that we went to go see it at the Belcourt yeah, here in Nashville. Yeah, if we had waited a week, we would have seen a regular but digital. Ob- but obviously, Alexander Payne is making like his 70s Hal Ashby-esque movie. That was his goal, including music from the times with some exceptions. Like, there was a couple of 70s songs that actually came out, like, a year or two after the movie. A, a more contemporary song at the top that sounds like a 70s folk song mm. or a 60s folk song. But, you know, it's those little details. It's no big deal. But it has that classic 70s movie vibe. Yeah. And in the 35 millimeter, it works. And I kind of feel like that's, like, maybe the way it should be seen. I, I agree. After seeing it like that. I agree. And, you know, that's what Alexander Payne was saying at the beginning. Yeah. Is he was thanking us for coming to the theater, but also saying, you know, a movie's not done until it has an audience. And seeing this movie on 35 millimeter with an audience in a theater, that is how it should be seen. Mm-hmm. So I feel really lucky that we got to see it that way. So all our leads here, Paul Giamatti, Dominic Sessa, Divine Joy Randolph, great across the board. absolutely, And so uh, indicative of their own particular cultures and backgrounds there is a, you know, of course, there's some class discussion Absolutely. here, but it's not harped upon. And it does present maybe characters with some background that may I wasn't a part of, but I was still able to to kind of identify with their flaws yeah. and their isolation. 
And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think the character of Mary Lamb ever ate with the other two. The only time she did is on Christmas Day. They did eat together she on sat Christmas down, Day. The three of them sat down and had Christmas dinner. Oh, that on a, Christmas Day she made a ham. But there are other scenes distinctively where no. they they asked her. There's one in the restaurant and one when the the holdover begins, mm-hmm. and she's like, "No, we." There's this one bully kid who's pretty racist, mm-hmm. and she actively is just like stink eyes the fuck out of him. But thank God this movie isn't us having to deal with that character throughout the movie and having to have this character go on some his own personal journey. Thank God we didn't get some kind of tired bullshit like that. And I think that's what's so interesting and great about this movie is that it kind of, when you think it's going to go down these expectations, it kind of bucks it. Mm -hmm. It kind of just throws it aside and it cuts through everything and gets to the meat of what matters about the movie. And it's also genuinely charming, well-written, and a funny-ass movie at the same time. Yeah, it is funny. And And Paul Giamatti's character, um, he's... We don't even know if he's ever been laid. No wonder you're afraid of women. I am not afraid of women. Sorry, I shouldn't have said anything. Dr. Gertler says I don't always give consideration to my audience. And who is Dr. Gertler? My shrink. Has Dr. Gertler ever tried a good swift kick in the ass? Okay. Now your turn. Go ahead. Tell me something about me. Something negative. Something negative about you. Sure. Just one thing. Just one. He's a drunk. He says <laughs> that stories from his youth would curl your toes. And he's such a he's such a hard ass who automatically distrusts all the students here that he's expecting to treat the holdover as though it's like a, a, a semester between the semesters. Yeah, he's like assigning detentions and he has like a schedule and and obviously all of that, it doesn't go the way he plans. No. And yeah, he's just, he's also, he manages to play this very complicated character who is one of those like smartest guy in the room, right? Like he has a yeah. fact for everyone or let me tell you a thing about about what you're doing that you might not know he's very <laughs> proud of himself all the yeah. time but he genuinely also like has a good heart like you can tell like he he really cares about mary in yeah. particular and he really like stands up for her against that shit kid yeah you know and he makes a point to say like you are wrong right now like he doesn't let that's what's so good about him they don't like him because he's hard on them but he is being hard on them because he knows they can be better. Yeah. But he still doesn't trust them. He no, still no, has, no. And he, he doesn't still, like them. He still, has, <laughs> he still has no faith in the majority of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he knows they're little shits and they're going to be little shits, the, but they don't have to be. The headmaster of the school is one, was one of his first students. They still don't like each other yeah. after all these years. It's very funny. So these characters, they end up kind of holding each other accountable. Um, the... Angus's character uh, puts his professor's shit into perspective. And the professor, they're cutting each other down to size. And it kind of works out in a mutual way. The Mary Lamb character is probably the only character that you have the most pure sympathy for because of her loss. Mm-hmm. And they have to kind of, you know, they end up being like emotional buffers for her in a way. And she also has to remind them of... um 
you know, the background and the history and you can't really judge each other's personal lives as they go yeah. through it. And the, even the way I s- describe that makes it sound like it's a little too sweet, it does. too saccharine, but it, it's not. It's very much, it's not the, yes, because the way you described it, you could almost think that it's like, she's like the conscience of the group, but it's not. It's like, she'll, it's almost like, um, Looking at you and going like, you're being a fucking dick right now. Yeah. Open your eyes and and notice what he's going through. It, but it's not like, I'm going to sit you down and we're going to have a conversation. We're all going to grow out of this. Like, it's not that. And honestly, you could sit there and write a saccharine, um, trite script like that. And it still yeah. probably would be Oscar bait. But I think this movie is worthy Oscar bait while seemed like so carefully making it a point to to not revel in that kind of thing. Well, yeah, because, and, and I know you didn't mean to say Goodwill Hunting earlier, but it could have gone the way of like Dead Poet Society meets Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. It really could have, but it doesn't. Yes. This is a better movie than this both of those. This, this is, is a, a good movie. This isn't a Ben Affleck joint, okay? This is, uh, uh, you know, and I've, of course, Alexander Payne, he's, he satirizes, he, nothing's really pure in his movies. Like, one of my favorite aspects of election is that the dumb jock character yeah. is actually the sweetest character in the entire movie. And the super nerdy Hillary Clinton Jr. character is like the villain yeah. of the movie. Yeah. And just that alone just made, I remember just when I first saw that, that that just felt so different and unique mm-hmm. and refreshing. And I think this movie, for its own reasons, is also quite refreshing. Even these, like, holiday, you know, type movies where people are kind of just the being together type movies like this. To varying degrees. Even maybe even the little cornier ones. I find that I like them more as I get older. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, now we don't want to... It's up to y'all to check out the journey. We recommend the movie, but we're going to rate the movie that we have seen, The Holdovers by yeah. Alexander Payne. The fir- the first of our real Christmas season at the theater drops, there will be at least four. Mm-hmm. There's so many good movies coming out this month that I'm mm-hmm. interested in. But uh, you're going to give it one through five. I'm going to give it one through five combined for best out of ten. Mm-hmm. I think this is... A 4.25. That's exactly what I was going to say. Truly, it is. I, I hate like, it when that I happens. I feel like you say that a lot. I need to but... start going first again. Well, you okay, also, well, a lot of times when I say, you're like, I'll match you. Like, sure. so it does happen. I mean, we like a lot of the similar But that is what things. I was going to say. It's a little over a 4. 4.5 Quality. feels like a little too high, but it, it, it it's very good. It's very, very good. And 8.5 is better than... I think it's probably the best movie we've rated that we've gone to see in the theaters this year so far. Sure. Oppenheimer got an eight. Killers got an eight. Yep. Uh, Barbie got like a, like a 7.5, 7.75, something like Respectable. that. Respectable. These are all good scores, yeah. but I would say that this movie is better than all of those. Yeah. In my, in my opinion. I agree. Look, you check out the 8.5s there. Uh, it is in the company of. The Fablemans, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Batman, Akira, Fox and His Friends, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Wild at Heart. That makes so much sense. It makes sense. The Holdovers by Alexander Payne, a a solid and um, refreshing holiday feature. If it's playing in your theater, um, highly recommended. If the 35 millimeter 
hits your town like it did ours, we uh, recommend you check that out. It kind of gives it more of a authentic feel for its time period. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Check the show notes for links and other places to find us. Uh, we're going to be with you all Christmas long. We hope your holidays are great and that you see a lot of movies with us. And um, so like, subscribe, leave a uh, comment, say whatever you'd like. Nice things, critical things, corrections. I'm not against corrections. Sure. If I say something wrong, go ahead. I also love facts, like yeah. uh, movie facts and shit like that. I will much more likely to personally respond to those kind of things. But but I can't respond to everything, but people have been very nice and interactive with us. And um, I, it's been really something that keeps us going. We just love movies, and we appreciate y'all. It's it's not Thanksgiving anymore, but we're thankful for y'all. Yeah. All right. Death to all traders. Is it w- death to all traders? You know, I think we need to spend this next month coming up with a a new sign off for for 2024 because that's going to be an election year. We're going to make it the year of Ontario. It's going to be drag drab enough. Mm. So maybe we need to spend the month trying to think of something more. Well, I don't want to say life to all lovers anymore. Okay, well, this for now, it's death to all traders. But we're going to come up with something new. So go ahead. Death to all traders.